0: Hi folks, welcome to episode five of Women, Work & Wisdom. My name is Diane Lyon, I'm your host. I started this podcast so we could document some of the amazing stories of incredible women and their journeys through their career paths. So again, thanks for listening. And our website is women, W-O-M-E-N workwisdom.com. We can also be found on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you hello listeners today our special guest is sarah plant president and ceo of md private trust company our conversation with sarah talks about how she really wanted to be an actress and then a swim instructor how she fell into going to law school following her peers at university how she finally got into managing people's trusts and working her way up the corporate ranks We also talk about some of the key insights she learned along the way, including encouraging all, especially her kids, to take public speaking so you can clearly get your ideas across to anybody at any time, a valuable lesson to have throughout your life. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Sarah Plant. Thank you, listeners. Today I have with me Sarah Plant, CEO and President of MD Private Trust Company. I'm going to let Sarah talk about her journey to how she got here today with a brief timeline of her career and what she's doing now. So welcome, Sarah Plant. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. So I would love to hear really from where you started, right, how how you got into the financial services business. It's not typically a female dominated industry. (laughs) True, true. I actually started in private practice. So
1: I I graduated from law school and I was in private practice for about uh, four or five years. And then I uh, decided uh, for, for certain reasons that it was time for me to go and do something else. And so I was fortunate to be able to meet with BMO and uh, BMO Financial Group was just starting up a trust company and they needed an estate planner and my practice had been estate planning and so I was able to go in as one of the first estate planners in the Toronto area and I uh, continued with BMO for about uh, 20 years and it was the little job that grew and so it I was able to take on some management responsibilities Uh, throughout those years I ultimately uh, was doing both client-facing work and management and then I had an opportunity opportunity to do just management, and that was when I was promoted to be the head of Bemo Trust Company. And then I uh, did that for about four years, and now I have the uh, the pleasure of being uh, the head of the trust company for MD Financial Management, which is
0: called MD Private Trust. Awesome. Is your career what you imagined you would be doing at this stage in your life?
1: Oh no, no, nothing like it at all. No, I. I always, when I came out of high school, I always knew I always felt I could do anything, but I had no idea this was out there. And the other, the other thing that, if anybody uh, has any sense about the trust industry, um, it's not something that you pick to go into. It kind of finds you. So you don't say, "Oh, I'm going to go and be a trust officer when I
0: grow up." It finds you, and once you're in it, you love it, and you you establish a career in it. So how did you find it? Was there somebody that nudged you in this direction? You literally fell into it? I, I fell into it. So back when I was applying for a job in private practice,
1: the position that was available to me was a trust and estates associate at a at, uh, downtown Toronto law firm. And so I took that and uh, received some, some great training and with that training I was able to to get in on the ground floor of the trust company and, and grow with with a new trust company which is really exciting, really neat thing to be able to do. What, what did you dream about doing when you were young? <laughs> oh, uh, I wanted to be an actor, <laughs> um, then I wanted to be a swimming teacher, and then I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, I never thought I wanted to be a lawyer. It wasn't until really I was studying politics at Queen's when I looked at my colleagues and a lot of them were, were applying to law school and I thought, hmm, well if they can do that, I can do that.
0: Excellent. Were there other forces that influenced the path you ultimately chose, you chose to pursue? Um, I I think at, at its core, I
1: always knew I wanted to have a career where I could support myself financially and be financially independent. So I didn't want to feel that I was dependent on anybody. So I knew I wanted to find a career that would allow me to do that. And law did that. And, and law is a great jump-off point. You don't necessarily have to stay in private practice. You can do so many things with it. And so the path I took was into the financial
0: services. Were there seminal or milestone moments in your career that gave you pause, shock, or desire for change or reflection?
1: I, Yeah, I'd say there are two um, one was when I was in, in private practice and I knew that I wanted to have a family and I knew I wanted kids and uh, at the time at that law firm I was at there were very few uh, women partners and none of the partners had children and so I just knew that this wasn't the right environment for me to pursue that side of my life. Uh, so that was key, that was one of the reasons I left private practice to be able to do that. And and the other one was actually uh, an interesting one because it, it was it was one when I was um, I had a young family, and I, it was a lot to try and have my job, my full-time job, and my young family. I wanted to spend a bit more time with my family, and I, and I went from five days to four days. And in doing that, I, was, I found myself um, on the outside of an opportunity for another position at the bank. And I was told that I wasn't considered for the position because I wasn't showing that I was committed and I learned very early that to go part time you can have a label put on your head. And so I quickly regrouped and I found another way to to find my time with my family. I went back to 5 days and I got that job. But it was it was a wake up call.
0: For sure and it's difficult I think in any environment to try and balance that. It it, it
1: you know, and I just over the years been at this for a while now. I don't think balance is ever achieved. Balance is, it's really it's how you integrate everything together rather than balance it. Because at one time your family's gonna take is gonna tip that uh, teeter totter one way. Another time your work is going to. Um, another time your health might. It's gonna move around. It's never, it's never really balanced.
0: I, I totally agree. I don't think you can do it all or have it all at the same time. Although some people would argue you can. Yeah, I I would love to say that you can, but you're, there's
1: usually something that has to take a little bit of a back seat and it moves around. And that's okay if you look at it in totality, as long as at the end it all comes out in the wash, but there in the end there's always there's always something
0: that takes a little bit of a back seat from time to time. For sure. What's the riskiest or boldest career move you've ever made?
1: Uh, probably leaving private practice. That was a big decision. Because you get trained to be a, a professional in that area and then to decide to leave it is a it's a big change
0: and it's a big decision how did you evaluate the risk reward in that decision did you have a process to make the decision
1: i wouldn't say i had a process but i knew that i wanted to see i wanted to see more than what was there in private practice so i hadn't had really any other career experience in anything except that because you come straight out of law school right into uh, right into working Um, and, and coupled with the fact that I knew I wanted to have a family and I wanted to find the right environment to be able to do that
0: well. For sure. And then how do you now define success for yourself?
1: Well, I look at all the different areas of my life and, uh, whether it's, it's family, work, marriage, um, community, creativity, all the different areas. And I just ask myself am I am I content and are those areas bringing out the best in me and if I feel they're bringing out the best in me then I'm successful
0: in that area great do you think things have gotten better for women in the workplace over the last 10 years yes I would say definitely yeah I I
1: I think they the whole um, there are a lot more women working in senior roles. There are a lot more um, women, just generally, in the workforce. And I think uh, the more there are, both in senior positions and and uh, in leadership
0: roles, uh, the better it gets. Have you been treated by other women over the course of your career? Positive, negative, neutral?
1: All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've definitely i've I've seen it all.
0: Have you had mentors along the way?
1: No, I never had a mentor. No, I, I'd look around and I'd hear about these mentorship programs, and people had mentors, and, and I never had a mentor.
0: I think you have a pretty amazing family, though, that if you um, needed to bounce ideas off various people, there's pretty much a good collective.
1: Absolutely. there's a yeah, Absolutely. It's a, um, so instead of a single mentor, I think I had lots of different people in my life that I was able to ask questions to and bounce off ideas, my family and friends included.
0: For sure. What advice, what advice would you give a young woman working in or trying to enter this industry today? I would
1: say um, um, to trust yourself and to, um, to get out there and meet lots of people and see if they can bring new ideas for how you can approach a position in in a in a given financial institution. So I'm assuming you're thinking about the financial services industry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So get out there and talk to lots of people for what they're looking for, and how you can articulate your
0: value to those organizations. So if you could go back and give yourself two key insights, what would they be?
1: Um, it would be.
0: Um,
1: it's it's so important for a woman to be able to be comfortable talking to groups, being able to their presentation skills and communication skills verbally, standing up in front of a group and being able to do it comfortably and effectively is is critical, and so uh, that was an insight I. I learned early on how to do it and was able to utilize it throughout my career and I'm really glad I did and I encourage anybody who who wants to get out there and and work through their career to learn public speaking skills it's critical so did you actually take a course or did you join Toastmasters? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, No I I learned it in high school I had an amazing drama teacher Mm -hmm. and and I learned um, I learned how to how to articulate well in front of groups and uh, we've done the same thing with our kids and we did put them in programs we put them in drama programs we put them in Second City to get them comfortable so that they're not nervous because you don't thats the last thing you want to do is be nervous you have a message you want to give and the last
0: thing you need is to be nervous when you're giving it great insights Um, at this really portion we really like to talk about a call to action so is there anything you want to discuss, a group you're working with, a charity, or anything else that you're passionate about? Mm.
1: We have become very involved in the Me to We movement, the We, the now called We. And um, my husband and I are actually just in starting up a, an initiative which is um, trying to provide some microfinancing for uh, developing um, uh, communities, particularly dedicated to women. And the ability for women to be um, to be able to contribute to their families and their communities uh, through through little uh, through business endeavors. So it's called the first chicken project, awesome. <laughs> and we're just just we're just getting it off the ground. But uh, we, we we is just a remarkable organization.
0: Okay, so um, is there a way people can? Uh, check it out or is there a website they can go to or
1: we haven't quite got that going yet okay we, it, it's it's we're working on it right now um, but I'd say anything you can do to support we uh, supports what we're doing so
0: okay and was there a reason you, you decided that microfinancing and is there a country or a focus on certain development
1: well we took two family trips. We took a trip to Ecuador, it was a service trip with WE, and we did another family trip to Kenya, and it was a service trip as well. And there we saw the incredible difference that that the WE movement was making for women in those communities, and when women had a chance to get out there and and earn some money and and generate um, revenue for themselves and their community, the communities blossomed. And the women did too, and it was remarkable. So, what we want to do is try and get the money to them faster, get them, uh, just increase the pace at which they can do that, because the the difference is really quite something.
0: So, is there a particular example that you want to discuss that you saw in Kenya or Ecuador?
1: Well, when we were um, when we were in Ecuador, we actually the, the neat thing is we saw the the best and the worst. So we saw that the beginnings. Um, of the of the movement, and we saw the end of it. So we were able to watch a community that was just getting going with the support um, for whether it might be a women's group that does beading, for example, um, or 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 works in farming. And then we saw a community that had 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 the benefit of those women uh, for a number of years, and that community was so much further along. It had a health care center, it had um, it had a church, it had paths and more developed buildings and the women themselves um, looked you in the eye and engaged you whereas the women who hadn't had that benefit yet they were just the beginning they were they were shy and they and they weren't as confident and so that we truly saw the benefit of of a woman being able to to work with an
0: opportunity herself and contribute to the community that made such a difference so the other question I have is, if there are other people that have families that are interested in going on one of their service trips, mm-hmm. how do they go to the WE website? Oh how do yeah. They, yeah,
1: go to the WE website. They've got some fabulous family trips. They have youth trips and they have uh, trips for university students as well. We love the family trips because we were able to take our two kids and introduce them um, to, uh, to uh, a service element, but you also learn so much about the culture and how to give back. It's amazing.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Sarah. Is there anything else you'd like to say? No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks so much. Hi folks. So once again I'd stop recording and then Sarah pointed out she was really looking forward to answering the question about working um, for a male versus a female and what the differences were, what she found. And in fact we ended up talking about the person's personality So, or confidence level I should say. So after I then decided to continue recording because I wanted to actually get her response because I thought it was incredibly insightful so that's why there's a bit of a break here and I will also admit that there was a loud humming noise because in the large office building where we were in her in her corporate office there's auto fans and it was impossible to turn them off so apologies for that in advance. Thank you. So I actually forgot to ask Sarah the question regarding what what was it like to work or how different is it to work for a man and a woman? And I'm now very intrigued to hear your answer. Go ahead.
1: Well, I was thinking about that one, and I actually don't think it's a gender issue. I've worked for both both men and women, some wonderful ones and some not-so-wonderful ones, and I actually think it comes down to whether the person is uh, secure in their own role for whether it is a success or not and if you get somebody who is insecure about themselves or insecure about how w- their place in the organization whether they're a male or female it's going to be a challenge so that's where i saw the difference and it I, wasn't so much a gender thing
0: i would totally agree with that i think that's a very intellectual way <laughs> of saying it. Because regardless of who the person was, it was really about their own character, that's right, and their own comfort level. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, from my perspective, though, there were just fewer women that I encountered in the tech sector, so it was a rarity to have a female boss. Mm-hmm. And yeah. though I think I only had one, who was actually amazing but very comfortable in her own skin. Yes. So
1: I, I can, th- I've had, yeah, a mix. Um, and uh, there, were, there were some women who were incredibly confident and, and you learned so much from them. And the ones that were insecure,
0: it was a bit of a battle. So I think um, a challenge for organizations is um, now, if more recent times, I've done a lot of personality assessments. And I'm sure companies are moving that way. And I'm sure there's a scale of insecurity <laughs> or a dial, right? Sure. And I think that becomes a challenge because is that a reason to move somebody out or not promote them, right? It becomes another hole. But
1: then that's a challenge
0: for women because women are the, are, are
1: the typically, I'm going to generalize here, if they see an opportunity, they're going to be more inclined than a man, I think, to say, I'm not ready for this, I don't want to do it yet. Whereas really what you want to do is jump in with your feet first and learn learn as you go. You are ready for it. So what you get is women who have taken that leap, they don't think they're ready for it internally, and they're nervous about it. And they're and they're they're anxious about their own success and whether this
0: whether they're doing what they need to do. I would totally agree with that. Whereas men are bolder and yeah. better yeah. at self promotion. Yeah. We're our own worst enemies. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm glad we got that in. Hi again, I just wanted to do a quick follow-up on the conversation with Sarah Plant. It was incredibly insightful and a learning opportunity for me as I had no idea that positions on private trusts even existed and even, and certainly not for lawyers. MD private trust actually services medical professionals and I again had no idea it was, it was very insightful to learn more about the whole profession and how to go into the trust profession some of the key insights that Sarah had was obviously public speaking a lifelong skill to be able to clearly articulate your ideas and not be afraid to share them the other two were about networking and talking to as many people as possible either in the profession that you are in or in an area where you'd like to learn more about and actually going out and putting yourself out there and networking. The last was about Me To We and her first chicken project, which I thought was super awesome. So I will be focusing on and posting all of those links to the first chicken project from the Me To We movement and also have links to Sarah's company as well as the first chicken project. You can still find us on Google Play and iTunes, as well as the Women Work and Wisdom website, which is w-o-m-e-n, womenworkwisdom.com. And again, thanks so much for listening. I would love to hear your feedback on any or all of our podcasts. And again, thanks for your time. Cheers.